You're listening to the North Peace Roundtable podcast, your weekly podcast about theology and the Christian life. Well, welcome. Episode 84. Wow. Thought there was going to be a little <laughs> bit more celebration. No, not yet. Every episode we're, is like, yes, we did it. Not for 84, though. We're waiting for 100. 100, and then we'll celebrate. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, my name is Andrew. With me, as always, is Corland. Hello, hello. And Cameron. Good morning, everyone. And uh, we are excited to record another episode. We actually got uh, like a two-part, I guess they're not related, but two questions sent in. And so uh, we want to just unpack it and talk about it for a little bit. Uh, the email I got was funny. It was like, hello, super fan here. So this is from our super fan, <laughs> Lori. So oh. shout out to Lori. Right on. And uh, she asked a two-part question. I don't know if I was supposed to say her name, but anyways, <laughs> there you go. Free <laughs> shout out. So the first question is, please discuss what the weapons of our warfare are regarding 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. And um, she kind of lists that there. And then um, uh, I could add a verse like Luke 6, 27, 28, uh, as well as great warfare strategy. So love to hear your thoughts on this set of verses. So I won't read the second question yet. We'll start with that. But maybe um, I'll just read 2 Corinthians 10, and then we can talk about Spiritual warfare and what does it mean when it's talking about weapons of warfare and mm -hmm. it's weird for a Mennonite church to talk about that, right? Aren't we pacifists? <laughs> <laughs> Peace is our weapon. Um, so 2 Corinthians 10, I'll just read the, the first six verses. So Paul says, I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you. When I am away, I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So what in the world is Paul talking about? What? Oh, did it? Oh, sorry. I thought I, I thought the podcast stopped. I was like, what? Why did it stop? <laughs> no. no, we're good. So what do you guys think? Like, what is Paul talking about? We, it's not warfare according to the flesh. Our weapons are spiritual things. Like, what? What is he talking what, about? What's he even on about? Yeah. I well, know. I think the the fact that he uses the word weapons is confusing for some because he just starts by saying it's not actually war according to the flesh, and in the flesh you would you would garner like actual weapons and you'd hold something in your hand. Totally. Where what Paul was talking about is more so spiritual weapons such as you know the gospel, faith, truth, prayer, mm -hmm. mindfulness, um, you know, perseverance in the sense of. Uh, and not to get too far ahead, but <clears throat> like being confident in the fact of the gospel. So, you know, lies mm -hmm. are coming at you. Temptations are coming at you. And much like Jesus in the desert was able to push back on that saying, actually, no, I, I know the truth. And that, and that is not that is not truth what I'm hearing, mm -hmm. because I think the most tempting uh, weapon that the enemy uses in our lives is lies mm -hmm. and, and and mistruths about who we are. And so when we're able to push back with truth, 
that's probably one of our largest spiritual weapon i believe yeah i think i think you put that really well that it is uh truth righteousness the gospel i mean all all of those things combined prayer uh, Ephesians chapter six has a good list of what those spiritual weapons are. And none of them are like, and here, if you hold this stone in your hand, you'll have special powers. It's like, it is <laughs> the truth, righteousness, the gospel, but they're uh, used with words of weapons, right? Like yep, yep. The sword exactly. of the spirit. It's like, well, now do I need and, a sword? And I think Paul does that specifically so that there is a, a, like, because we're humans, it would connect in our minds of like the purpose of those things. Right. So like sure. I've seen an or not analogies, but I've seen explanations as to why it's the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. And they're thinking of like Roman soldiers at yeah. the time that are like, yep. you know, there's no other army that can defeat, like yeah. think of the strongest warrior looking person you can imagine. Yeah. And imagine that as your. Sp yeah. Like, so then what Paul does is he takes the, the spiritual elements of our Christian faith and he compares them to the purpose that is provided by some of those armors or armors pieces. Uh, and so I think that that it's important to recognize that it is the, the purpose that we even have this armor is so that we share the gospel. We share truth into mm -hmm. the world. Um, it's not just so that we yell at demons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I think, like so, Ephesians six. We've mentioned it a few times, but it, it says like, put on the whole armor of God, so you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Very similar to what Paul says. Yep. It's not like a physical thing, but we are against the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you can withstand. And having done all, to stand firm. And then he lists them right having fastened on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness and shoes, the readiness given by the gospel of peace, take up the shield of faith so that you can extinguish flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit. So you're right. Like he lists all these things. Okay. So we need to have faith. We need to have righteousness. We need to have, we're ready with the gospel. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, you would see Roman soldiers walking around. So I'm sure everyone in the early church was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Just like how they're all wearing their armor, we're wearing, like, spiritual armor. Yeah. So I, I like that Paul talks about, you know, we destroy arguments. Yeah. We destroy, yeah. you know, lofty, what does he say, lofty opinions against the knowledge of mm -hmm. God. So it's this picture of, like, as we're out, okay, so... I'm just going to use a random example. This is not true, but let's say my neighbor who is an atheist, very antagonistic towards the gospel. Yeah. I don't go and like egg his house or, you know, I don't fight. Believe in Jesus. Him. Well, yeah, because my battle is not against him. It's not flesh and blood like, yeah. like Jesus or like Paul says, my battle is like a spiritual battle. Yep. And so it's okay when he comes over and he's angry about you know, Jesus. And how can you believe that? And he's bringing up opinions and arguments. It's like Paul says, no, you destroy the argument. So mm -hmm. if he's like, how can yeah. you believe that Jesus existed? He's just made up. Okay. Well now I'm going to actually go in and destroy that argument. Yeah. Here is truth. And here's the that. truth of, yeah. you know, who Jesus is and how he did exist. And he is who, so I love yeah. that. It's like, yeah. it's not just I'll pray for you, it's, yeah. which we do. But he's like, no, be smart about it. Yeah. Like destroy arguments that people bring against you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, have you seen that done really well in your life? Like 
or do you have, you know, oh yeah, I watched this video of a guy doing that or like, do things come to mind when you think about destroying arguments and opinions in like a, uh, Christ-like way? Yeah. So I, I've seen a couple of videos, uh, where people go and evangelize to, uh, specifically these ones are, are to Mormon people. Uh, who believe in a different Jesus than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a guy named Preston Perry. Uh, he has done some phenomenal uh, work where he, he happens to have recorded it and had conversations with some Mormon elders, I believe they're called. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he sits there and just has a Christ-like conversation with these guys where he speaks the truth and nothing but the truth. Uh, but he doesn't allow... like animidity to happen between them right so like they if they ask questions or if they bring up what they would call scripture and they're trying to point to how they have the truth with quotation marks then uh preston does a really good job of like dissecting their script or the scripture that they have pulled up and and actually coming alongside and and showing them the truth and still giving them room to to make the decision for themselves but like it it is the wording that I would use is he destroys any of their arguments. It's right. it's not a, I think we look at destroys um, in a negative light maybe because it would infer that something is completely ruined. Yeah. But in, in a context like this where you are seeking truth, it is a very good thing to destroy something that is not. Well, yeah. Truth. You mean you see videos of like, watch this guy own these yeah. libs or whatever. It's like, sure. okay, yeah. well we're not. And a lot of times they are like throwing arguments and insults against yeah. the person. Yeah. But as Christians, Paul's like, no, don't do that. Don't wage mm-hmm. like don't don't wage yep. war like how the world wages yep. war. And like don't well, you're to... stupid and you're yeah. no, he's like, Yeah, very cleverly. <clears throat> and that's why even when Jesus sends his send his disciples out, he's like, I want you to be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. So it's like he's like, use your mind like Which is that's a whole nother rabbit trail. That's a fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, there's a guy in our church, and I won't say his name because, but he's an older gentleman, and um, I've seen him do this really well. Um, lots of times, like Jehovah Witnesses or Mormons would come to his door, and he'd always be like, "Sure, come on in." Like, yeah. And he'd make coffee for them, and then just, you know, let's hear your pitch or whatever. Yeah. And then he just like very calmly. And gently goes to scripture. Well, actually, you're wrong because you're twist. Like, and he knows, like, and the Greek word that you're using is actually not the right word. Yep. And blah blah blah. Yep. And he told me there's a few times like one guy came by himself, and then left, and then and the next day he came back one. with another guy, and yep. then they brought the elders of the church. And he yeah. just like, I'm like, that's what an amazing witness. <laughs> yeah. Like, sure, like mm-hmm. he wasn't intimidated by like, oh man, now there's like, yeah, he was just sure, let's talk. Yeah, I think the difference is like you don't have to defend the gospel. You yeah. don't have to justify the gospel. Yeah. You can share the gospel. But <clears throat> as you were speaking, Corlin, about someone kind of pushing back on mistruths, like I actually remember that internal battle, and you guys have probably probably had it also, of um, coming back to Christ and actually having like just lies, bombard- being bombarded by lies of like you're not good enough, yep. you are a fraud, you're, um, you know, you're an imposter. I, I you know, I had grown up in the church and then in my early 20s, you know, having gone through a bunch of problems, uh, leaving treatment, actually. And, and I think I shared this before, but meeting my wife and my wife who had grown up somewhat proper in the world's eyes. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. uh, I just remember saying, like, you're you're not good enough for her. You're and just this bombardment of lies. And I remember mm. having to actually 
push back on those, but it wasn't as easy as like, oh, in the name of Jesus, like, I don't believe that. And, you know, I'm pushing yeah. back. It was actually like hard. And, and, and over the course of maybe months, um, getting to the point, uh, building the resilience to be like, no, I actually believe this. Like the way, the way I'm viewed by Jesus is actually the way I believe I am, uh-huh. but it wasn't instantaneous. It wasn't, I was able to, you know, use the sword of the spirit and cut through those lies. And it wasn't, it was a, it was a fight. And so, um, yeah, you know, these, there, there are examples where, yeah, we can be calm and just mindful and peaceful about the way that we push back. And then there's other times where we have to be like violent in the way we push back in our own minds, sure, in our own lives and actually fight. And, and I don't know, I don't say that to be like, oh, it's a hard battle because it's been won, but it's just actually overcoming our own um, stubbornness and our own, you know, the weight of of um, self-confidence or self-worth issues that yeah. some people have. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's really it. We've said it already, but I think it is to, to make it utterly clear. I think it's really important to recognize that the base like what often this gets called this whole kind of realm of discussion that we're talking about is like spiritual warfare. Like I think we may have said that Mm -hmm. term already, Uh, but the basis of spiritual warfare, what it is at its most consistent point is battling against the lies of the devil to bring truth, the truth of Christ. Um, And so I want to like, when we're going through uh, times in our lives where we are battling those things, you're right. It's not just maybe as simple as saying like, in Jesus name, these things stop, right? Sometimes it takes an actual battle in your heart to, to remember truth and consistently allow yourself to rest in the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's really important because we, as Christians, when we battle around us with the, the spiritual warfare that goes on in our lives, I think sometimes whether it's somebody not believing something because they say that they would say science is correct on certain things uh, or that they believe false things about the world. I, uh, Oh, what's his name? Oh man, the name's slipping my head. But anyways, he, he was in an interview and someone was like, Hey, I'm, we used to be atheist and God brought me to him and my family. Like I'm trying to like convince them and I'm trying like, it's a bunch of warfare in this area. So like how, what can I say to convince them type thing? Like, do I bother answering their questions about science and whatnot? And the guy answered it really brilliantly. He's like, you can like, whenever someone has a question, yes, we should answer them, right? We should be prepared to give an answer or be prepared to look for an answer. Mm -hmm. But ultimately the thing that will change someone's heart is the gospel, Mm -hmm. right? So no matter what kind of spiritual warfare, so quote unquote, that a person is going through, the gospel should be our baseline for that. Because if you, uh, hypothetically, if you exercise a demon out of someone and they don't become a follower of Christ, did you actually win? No, right? There needs to be more to it than that. There's no longevity to that happening. Then. They might have a, a quote-unquote spiritual high because they no longer are under that direct oppression or whatever. But unless they see Jesus, unless they come to know Christ, there's no victory there right Mm -hmm. or the victory that is there is momentary right right so i that's i think it's really important to understand that we like i said earlier these these weapons of spiritual warfare so the the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness the the readiness of the gospel all of these things it's not so that we can go and yell at what we believe are demons and just scream our heads off or you know go into a dark room and in the name of jesus like are there instances where maybe that needs to happen sure 
but it's not the forefront of our concern because though Christ on the cross has defeated that already. Right. So if Mm -hmm. we come across it, then yeah, handle it. But you know what I mean? Yeah. It kind of feeds into the second part of the question where uh, this person's asking about the, the tension or the conflict within Luke six, the love love your enemies. Yeah. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Mm-hmm. To the one who strikes you in the cheek, offer the other also. So I could see how if you're looking at spiritual warfare as physical and you're thinking of those who oppress you responding physically, then this is conflict. Uh, what Luke's writing on, on actually don't do that. But I think you have two separate things, like your example of this person in the church. They are in spiritual warfare being completely appropriate being completely kind and civil so they're honoring luke's six mm-hmm. but still in spiritual warfare mm-hmm. loving their enemy not even acknowledging them as like you're an enemy of me no yeah like unfortunately you're an enemy of god just mm-hmm. in the way that you just in your position yeah uh so so that example is someone that can honor both of these ideas of love your enemy, do good to those who hate you. Well, you know, that's a maybe a, an easy example because those people at the door didn't necessarily hate him, but they had conflicting yeah. uh, yep. theology. Then those 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 worldviews hate each other Yep, um, and they're enemies of God. But I think that you can't look at both of these as physical because this one is a little more... It could be a little more physical. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Like that's that's really challenging. But, um, but not so much either. If you can appreciate that it's not an earthly battle. Like if you can remember mm-hmm. Second Corinthians and say, like, wait a minute. Like, they're, they're, it's not me they hate. It's something within me, and it could be the the yeah. truth, the the light in me yep. that yep. they can't be near, and so maybe they're treating me like this. Yep. So if you can remove yourself from that and not take it personally so to speak totally because otherwise what conflict do people have like you know the neighbor that plays music all night like yeah that's annoying but um they're not your enemy no uh, you can be civil towards them but still call bylaw <laughs> you could <laughs> um yeah and i think that's where christians get like turn the other cheek is an example um that we see and in, in the context of that is a little different than okay if someone you know hits my child or, or you know runs into my i'm probably gonna remove my i'm probably gonna call the police i'm probably gonna respond it won't be out of spite or like an ill will or an evilness to see you destroyed it'll be a societal response and yeah that's probably what i'm gonna do if someone hit and runs my car i'm probably gonna phone icbc and the police like yeah it's not turning the oh that's fine you know hit it again yeah (laughs) it's no problem hit the driver's side the other side yeah (laughs) but where do you think that confusion comes from from that verse of turning the other cheek. Yeah, because I think, I think, some individuals may read that and translate it as like, I can never respond to ill yeah. intent, or I can never respond to wrongdoing. I th- I think it's our drive to take everything very literal, right? Where even even what Paul's talking about with we're not battling against flesh and blood, right? Someone does something to you that hurts us. And we instantly turn to that person. We say that person is the root of all of this evil against me when it's maybe not specific. Like mm-hmm. we, we shouldn't be hating that person. We should be hating sin and, and whatever has caused that person to come to that point. Right. Yeah. It, it's not that the thing wasn't wrong, 
uh, but we take it very literal of like whatever is face value, right? So when we hear turn the other cheek, what do we think of, right? I mean, I know for me, I in my mind, I pictured literally turning my head so that they can hit the other side, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that then when it comes to stuff like uh, hit and run or, or any other practical example that you can think of, I think that we we automatically turn to that. And I don't, personally, I don't think that it's always bad to do that, to, to actually just allow it to uh, whatever. But I also, I, I see what you're saying. I don't, I don't think that there's any harm. I think, I think it does root from that. We, we don't actually understand what our battle is against though. Cause we just mm-hmm. see what's in front of us at face value mm-hmm. and, and go for that. And humans have done that throughout history, right? Even if you look at Jesus's disciples, right? Mm-hmm. The amount of times that he told him them stuff and they're like, wait, what? So like even the foot washing example that we, uh, had a sermon on just a while ago at the church here or when they when jesus told them and showed them that judas is the one that's going to betray them and they're like wait where did judas go like why why did he leave right they we don't see stuff for what it actually is often Mm -hmm. yeah i think too uh, when i hear jesus say yeah turn the other cheek go the extra mile and then the elsewhere in scripture where it's like yeah, don't avenge yourself. You don't need to take revenge on people. I thought it was all a parenting uh, <laughs> message on parenting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hate you. I still love you. Yeah, I still love you. Yeah. So I think there are, so there's, yeah, someone, Christians, we do this. It's like someone, you know, assaults your kid. It's, it, I don't think Jesus is saying, well, you know what? Don't worry about it. Don't give re- them your other kid. Don't report it to the, the police. It's like, no, but I don't need to go and, beat the snot out of the person. Sure. Okay, no, I don't need to avenge my, I can just leave that to Jesus. Like even when we lost our house and the sellers were idiots and like mm-hmm. totally screwed us over, our realtor was like, you sh- you can sue them. Do you want me to call a lawyer? Well, let's sue them. I'm like, right. no, I don't need to avenge myself and like take revenge on this person. Was I really ticked off? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And they I'm like, you know, my my response was they're losing their house and probably like huge financial issues. I don't need to sue them to like just prove a point. Yeah. So I think there's like it's just using wisdom going, OK, like, no, I need to report that because it's illegal and it's a crime. Mm-hmm. But I don't need to go to the courthouse and like jump the guy and beat the crap out of him. I can just leave that to mm-hmm. God's going to God's going to deal with them. Yeah. I think that's the key right there is that God will deal with them, right? If we think that on earth we are enacting complete and utter final justice by using the, the social justice systems that we have, I think like, I think in our own hearts we can have ill intent with that, right? Mm-hmm. So, I yeah, to and, understand that yeah. justice is the Lord's. And that doesn't mean that we can't use the systems that we have around us to uh, – that God can allow us to use wisdom in those so that we can have protection and stuff. I believe fully that we can do that. Yeah. But, but I think that we can twist it very quickly into thinking. So like using the neighbor example. Yeah. Like if the neighbor is having a party and blasting music at two in the morning, call bylaw. But I think like a, a non-Christian response would be like, Oh yeah. Well, at seven in the morning, when you guys are finally sleeping, I'm going to blast music. Sure. How do you like it? Right. Like that would be like, a, yeah. I'm trying to get revenge on my own. So I think there's ways as a Christian that you go, yeah, that's, it's against the law for you to be blasting music at two in the morning. So 
we're going to deal with it, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I don't need to be a jerk. And like, <laughs> yeah. well, that's yeah. And to bring it home a little more, I, as you're speaking, I, I started thinking of family tension and, and friends or acquaintances who um, I, I had, I had one former colleague and uh, now an acquaintance who was anti everything to do with the church. And he would send me mm. pretty offensive stuff once in a while. I was like, Hey, let's poke the Christian bear and see if we can get a rile out of him, <laughs> you know? And, and I, I actually really liked the guy. Like we just had a really good time together when we worked together. Yeah. He ultimately got fired because he was very, <laughs> he was very uh, inappropriate. But um, but I never like owned that kind of offense. Like I would kind of push back and like yeah. So I never made it about like him. I was actually kind of sad. Like this guy has three kids. He was going through a divorce. Like his life is terrible. He's very lost. Hmm. And um. But it wasn't like, oh my goodness, you said something terrible about Jesus. I'm never going to speak with you again. Or I'm not, I'm, you know, I wasn't harsh towards him. He knew where I stood. I knew where he was and I never kind of let up. And we just like, we worked side by side alone together for two years. So, um, until I moved to Fort St. John, I would stay in contact with him quite often. And so there are examples. And even within my family, someone who is a non-Christian just, really kind of poking at the fact I am and like kind of said some harsh things and it's not it's so I think that there's a turn the other cheek that can happen there's this this uh non-response of any kind of ill intent towards family or people that you may work with yeah it's not them like if you can look through the lens of like they are lost they need help they they are um you know they could be two decisions away from from a safe knowledge of Jesus and then if I ruin this from mm-hmm. my response, then will they run to me when they have a convicting moment and when, when they feel the Holy Spirit tug on their heart? Will I be that safe place for them to run? Well, you won't be if you push back and you're harsh yes. in their lostness yeah. or their wickedness. Yeah, it's interesting. So when we think about, I think when we talk about spiritual warfare, we often don't think about this kind of like this side of it. It always is yeah, you're battling a demon at two in the morning in your house and you have to like, and I even think sometimes of, you know, we, we talk about like very, very, very charismatic people. It's kind of like, now we're going to teach you, okay, this is how you exercise a demon. And I had a conversation with a guy in our town who was like, okay, each town has a demon that's in charge of the town and we have to identify it by name and then go and like walk and cast out the demon. And that's how we're battling for our city and blah, 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 blah. All these like strategies, which I'm like, okay, but I love that Paul, there's like an aspect of spiritual warfare. That's just, do you actually know the gospel enough to, I'm reminded of uh, like first Peter three, when he talks about suffering for righteousness, righteousness, (laughs) righteousness sake, for, so suffering for being a Christian, yeah. and then he's like, um, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Yeah. So do we teach spiritual warfare as like, do you, are you ready to like, if someone came and said in in an angry way, why are you a Christian? How dare you? Are you ready to just like okay with gentleness and respect i'm gonna i'm totally prepared to give a defense for why i believe what i believe like that's kind of spiritual warfare too yeah but you know yeah pay pay 99 dollars for my seminar on how to cast out demons this is kind of like well 
I think the charismatic church, having been born and come from it, spends far too much time training for that type of conflict. Yeah, and I'm like, where... When it doesn't happen. uh, Yeah, I'm like, where in the Bible does it say we have to, like, figure out a demon's name to cast them out of a city? I'm like, you need to know the gospel to tell your name, like... Yeah. To tell your neighbor about Jesus when he asks, like, how can you believe in a carpenter from 2000 years ago dying sure. on the cross for your sins to be like, OK, let's talk about it. But rather, it's just like, oh, the demon of Fort St. John is good Gorbagul and I have yeah. to go and ca-. it's just like. And that's where the power of the testimony like comes. Because, yeah, anytime. <laughs> that's right. Anytime I've had to I talk must about roll it. a 19 or above to pass out <laughs> Gorbagul. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Keep no, we're going to do it in a tent in a field <laughs> at the fairgrounds yeah, and again yeah. i don't want to like there are demons and i saw a demon cast out when we went to africa and it was very much like that like in jesus name we cast you out so i'm not saying that that doesn't happen but i think we so focus on that aspect yeah without like do you know the gospel to like destroy arguments that people yeah. bring against you yeah but and it's those like arguments well could be, yeah yeah or, i can cast out a demon okay great but when Debbie comes to you and says, like, I don't understand the resurrection, can you explain it and destroy the art? Like, right? Yeah. So that's spiritual yeah. warfare, too. And it can, yeah. Ha- yeah, it happens in Whole Wheat and Honey with a friend totally. who, or with a colleague or at work where it's not blatant, it's subtle. And it's not yeah. even, they don't even know they're engaging and you're just being prepared. You're yeah. confident in your testimony. And that's uh, what I was going to say is that anytime I've ever had to talk about it, it's like, I can't explain everything you're asking, but man, like I was this person and now I'm not that person. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of neat. I'm on a chat with a few friends that I grew up with and, and I was a very different person then. Mm, and totally. there's power in that transformation that yeah. they, they acknowledge is not me. And so hmm. they've not been there yet. And you know, my, my wife's testimony of someone in Canada, being incredibly generous has caused my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law to understand that there's a God. Hmm. That yeah. that is not normal. So, yeah, the power of testimony in the way that you've experienced the gospel is uh, spiritual warfare. And then, like, think about then the spiritual armor. You're using that when you go to Holy Wheat and Honey time, to have yeah. a conversation. Because I've got the shield of faith. So when... This person is, you know, the enemy shooting fiery darts, m- making me question, oh, maybe there's not a resurrection. No, I have my shield of faith because I have faith in Jesus and I have the gospel ready to go and I have the belt of truth because I'm trying to tell them the truth. So I think. And that belt of truth, and I remember a breakdown of Roman uh, military gear, but it was like to protect your most vital organs. So totally. The, the truth is is as much for you as it is for someone and, else because yeah. despite what you're being told and jumping back to this question, it's like, <laughs> it, it ends with, it's like a three part or four parter, but it ends with like, how do you guard your heart? Oh, so, what a trend. Wow. wow. You like that? <laughs> so this, this truth, <laughs> this truth is what protects you because uh, again, to my own struggle, it's like, am I not good enough? Uh, uh, do I not yeah. deserve this? It's like, well, yeah, I do. And so just un- unpacking that truth, saying it over and over, being in that truth is what helped me protect my heart yeah. against. Man, um, he's good. It's it's true, though. I For a while, I really, really struggled with anxiety. 
just like crazy anxiety attacks to the point where like when I used to work as a mechanic and I would like end up hiding behind a vehicle and basically just shivering. No, I don't want you to do my brakes. Yeah, that was before. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and it was like, I would be where like, where'd Cortland go? <laughs> He's in the fetal position, but <laughs> I can't do the brakes. Sorry. We shouldn't make fun of you. <laughs> it, it was horrible. We joke and I, I'm okay with that. At least I know you know you the guys. truth. You can protect yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know you guys. I'm not your enemy. It's my exactly. argument about anxiety. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, I, crazy anxiety, right? And and we joke about it, but it was very yes. true and very real. Um, and so what did I do? I, I had to consistently remind myself of the truth, right? Every single day, mm-hmm. every moment. Like, like literally, I had this exercise where when I would start getting anxious, I would basically walk through and, and as best as I could, because anxiety is just false thoughts that just run away with extremes. Uh, literally most of the time they're laughable when you actually tell them to someone out loud because it's just that crazy. But I would sit there and try and decipher, okay, well, yes, this element of this fear is true. This element is true. But because of God and his great love for us, he died for me so that I am forgiven from those things. So regardless of what happens to me in the physical world, I am justified. I am seen as righteous because of Jesus, right? And so you're just consistently reminding yourself of this. And I would argue to, to uh, some element, like what we've been talking about, that's spiritual warfare. Yeah. So now I, I think to, to encourage people, because I feel like sometimes when we, depending on which walk of life or where you grew up in which faith community, which church you grew up in, uh, to talk about spiritual warfare and to be like, oh, it's not just yelling at demons and it's not just doing this. It doesn't seem as sexy because Hollywood does a good idea or good job of making it look like, wow, that's like the pinnacle of faith. I've is never if you heard can do like that. exorcism called sexy. <laughs> I, what I mean is attention grabbing. Right? I know like, what you mean. Uh, so, but it, we, you might feel like, oh man, like it's not that great. It's just sharing the gospel. But the, the imagery there is actually quite intense. It's, it's quite attention grabbing since mm-hmm. you don't like the other word I used. But Ooh. anyways, it, like, think about it. You have two kingdoms, right? The Bible talks about the world being the kingdom of the prince of the air, right? Of Satan, right? And we have been commissioned to usher in the kingdom of God. So there is going to be battle as we share the gospel, as we yeah. teach truth, as we push back on the things that the world deems as wise and as necessary for happiness. And as we come in, even in our own lives, you can probably see that. But as we come into the world and we share the gospel and we tell the truth and people see that they're wrong, there is going to be warfare there. There's going mm-hmm. to be tension, right? Yeah. And as you're speaking, I'm thinking about the um the context to which this this was written the time it was written the understanding that they would have had we're privileged now to understand that this battle is over we have like a the battle now is reminding ourselves that the battle is over and that there is victory because i think that the writers of the bible were still navigating like what what is the fullness of this victory look like and i I do feel very blessed to have to be here and now understanding that this battle is we're not to confuse it with like, oh, we're like trying to win something. Mm-hmm. It's like we are reminding people and we're ourselves of this victory that we have in Christ and this fulfillment of a battle that's happened mm-hmm. like the, the here yeah. and, and soon to come idea. Yeah. But let's not confuse that with like we if we don't fight well enough there will be some sort of defeat like yeah, yeah. um 
yeah. the battles in our mind mostly in the sense of reminding ourselves of truth mm-hmm. yeah. the truth being that we we follow a great victor and we're, yeah. we're, we're reminding people of this great victory yeah not a Amen. battle to which to find a victory yeah so i know we touched on it but yeah this person's second question was what does it mean to guard your heart um I th- uh, I'm just reading the email. I think it's similar to putting up an emotional shield. Primarily, it means to be careful what you expose your heart to in the first place, whether it's TV, association with people who don't share your values. Just she want, want some of our thoughts. The phrase that we use, yeah, guard your heart. It's from Proverbs 4 mm-hmm. um, where it says, put, uh, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, put devious talk far from you let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you ponder the path of your feet then all your ways will be sure do not swerve to the right or to the left turn your foot away from evil so i think it's a lot of what we talked about but i think too yeah biblically like your heart is the very center of who you are it includes your mind your will your emotions your thoughts it they didn't have a Hebrew word for brain. It was just your heart is everything about you. It's, it's like your core. It's, it's where everything of, stems yeah, from. So like my core, my six pack. Because <laughs> uh, we kind of use it primarily as, well, your heart is like your emotions. And it's like, no, it's everything about you. It's yeah. it's your personality. It's your mind. It's, yeah. So when it says like guard your heart, I think it's a lot of what we just talked about, like speaking the truth to yourself, battling lies in your mind. Yeah. But I think too, like what this person said, it's just being careful of what you put in front of your eyes, being careful yeah. what you put in front of your mind. It it's says like, in Proverbs there to turn away from evil. To yeah, turn it's like not evil. don't don't put stuff in your mind and in your heart that is going to distract you. So whatever that means, right? I feel it, though yeah. that's it's slippery because it could allow a Christian to never leave the house. Like you have your yep. little christian bubble of your little christian friends and your christian home or you homeschool you the christian school Mm -hmm. and then you're guarding your heart or your mind and you never go like you know the downtown east side 12 years with salvation army like every day corlin you remember like every day you're around people that are just vulgar and dark and lost yeah yeah but you are fine yes and you you have a beautiful witness and testimony you go home and yeah you're not you know, I I don't watch vulgar graphic movies. I don't yeah. listen to nasty music as a personal choice because it's not healthy. It's not good for my head. It's not. Yeah. Good, it's not what I reflect on, or it's but, not the person. See, I those am. things are things that I would say are guarding your heart, right? Sure. To, to live like we live in the world, but we are not of the world, right? Yeah. So when we go out, uh, this this would be. I just recently, it's a a topic of conversation, the Lightyear movie that came out, right? A lot of Christians are very like, we can't watch it because it has a gay kiss in it. Fair enough. Which movie you're talking about? Buzz Lightyear. They came out with a movie for him. Yeah. So, but like, it's, I, I was thinking, I was like, it's kind of interesting. And, and some Christians wouldn't be on this side of the, the argument, so to speak, but how people would be like, we have to stay away from that but we'll go anywhere else where this is prevalent, but we won't watch a movie that does that. Right. Because that'd be bad. And we'd be choosing to, to see that then. Right. So I, I think that guarding your heart is, is in those moments, like you said, there, there are times where, yeah, working with, with the people that we did, there was times where literally you turn away because it was just enough that it was like, I'm not, 
I'm not subjecting myself to even see that. Right. But it's, it's a, it goes back to the sermon on the Mount then, right? Like mm-hmm. at what point are are we actually doing that for ourselves? Are we, yeah. are we making little laws for ourselves of like, I'm allowed to go this far before I'm not guarding my heart anymore. Or yeah. do we actually like the choices in music that we listen to the choices of what we allow ourselves to watch? Like, and it, it should like, it should be convicting for each one of us in this moment. Cause I think that we as humans always tend to slip back to allowing ourselves to sin because it's our tendency. Right. Yeah. So we should always, everything that comes across, we should be guarding our heart. And is this actually helpful i think it's hebrews 12 that talks about laying away or like putting away sin but not just sin but laying aside every weight and encumbrance Mm -hmm. as we run this race right and i think those are the things those are the sacrifices that we need to make to guard our heart yeah yeah and i just i really struggle when christians look at people as the root of problems like people are not evil they're very lost and very broken Mm mm-hmm and it's very relative to the world that they're in because I just remember working at a halfway house in Vancouver where it's like these people are th- just terribly lost and you're going with them to court and you're hearing about their crimes mm-hmm. and then they're coming to you saying, you know, like, I need to figure this out. I need to get back to my kids. And in my head, I'm like, you shouldn't be around kids. Yeah. But but not looking at them as a source of evil. And then, yeah, you are guarding a little bit. and. Oh, we can go so many ways with this, but I, I was reminded as you were speaking also of like, you know, just the way people perceive other people and, and how, you know, you could see someone doing something and say, oh, that's evil. But, you know, I'm reminded of a person who revealed that they were homosexual to me and they, they asked me, you know, is that sin? I'm like, well, you don't, you don't live like I do. You're not, mm-hmm. con- you're not convicted the same way. So mm-hmm. do I think it's sinful? Sure. Are you living in sin? Well, it's, we, we talked about that before. Yeah. But we look at everyone through this lens of our own convictions, and that's a really bad place to start mm-hmm. when you're thinking of guarding your heart. But Yeah, I think it doesn't mean like, yeah, you can't be around non-Christians or you can't send your kid to public school or you can't because uh, you'd have to just leave the earth if you wanted to avoid all sin and evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think even in the midst of that, there are ways that you can protect your heart and not... Uh, participate in those things like you know a a Christian who comes and says like hey I just love Fifty Shades of Grey I'm like I don't think you can be a Christian and say I shouldn't I shouldn't say that or if you do there's maybe heart work that needs to happen yeah it's to say like I'm it's totally fine for me to expose myself to that kind of stuff I'm like is it though like I don't really think there's any redeeming things about Fifty Shades of Grey and I, I shouldn't say that I have never read it but like I know Christian women who are like, oh, it's fine. I just, I'm like, well, are you guarding your heart when you're just like, are, you're exposing yourself willfully? But then, yeah, I, I share that story. We went to our neighbor's house to like welcome them in and they had a show on and they left it on and there's a graphic sex scene on it. And so I could have been like, sinners and ran away, but I just turned my back and distracted my kids and like, I was still in a terrible situation. Yeah. But then I didn't go home and go, what was that show? Let's check it out. That's not guarding my heart, right? It's yeah. like, no, you don't need to expose yourself to like that kind of yeah. stuff. So I think it is, um, it's such a balance of, yeah, we need to be in the world, but we're, we don't, we're not of the world. We belong to a different kingdom. Like, so yeah, I, my kids go to public school and I know they're exposed to stuff, but then we do a really good job of like 
we belong to a different kingdom girls. Like this is what our, this is what Jesus teaches us and the world doesn't believe that. And, and so we're trying to protect them, but it's not like, yeah. oh, by the way, you're not allowed to ever have any friends because we want to save you. It's like, yeah. no. Yeah, Natalia was at someone's house. And like, she did, they didn't pray. Yeah. And I'm like, did you? She's like, just in my head. I'm just, like, okay. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> but there's been times when kids have yeah. been like, oh, so-and-so wants me to go for a play date at their house. But I'm like, well, let's hold off because I want to meet their parents because I don't know who they are. Like, yeah. what are they going to do at the... Let's do an Ouija board together. Well, well probably not. Oh, it's not a, a good idea. <laughs> let's, or let's play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Unbelievable. So I, I think on a note to end that then as we as Christians have these these uh, encounters where we are going through life and sharing the gospel and waging war against the, the kingdom of darkness. And mm-hmm. we have already won, but we are pushing forward for the kingdom of God. And we are through this then having to guard our hearts. Uh I'm sure, and I know it because it happens to every single one of us as followers of Christ, there will be moments in time where you catch yourself in sin because we are, you know, the Bible says if any one of us says that we are without sin, we are lying, right? And that's a sin in and of itself. So there you go. So when we catch ourselves in those moments where you might be looking back on your life, uh, even for the last day, the last week, the last month, the last couple of years, if Mm -hmm. you have noticed that you have allowed yourself and you haven't been guarding your heart, because this is applicable to even us sitting here, it's not like we're exempt from this, Mm. is to remind yourself of the gospel. Sit in the truth like what we said, where there's victory over this. Repent, and by that, I mean turn back to God. Ask Him to help you. Thank Him for the forgiveness that He's already given you. Ask for forgiveness for your sins, right? And that's not like re... It's not like you're re-becoming a Christian when you do this. This is the process of sanctification, that as we walk through life and we we recognize our sin for what it is, that's to the glory of God that he is slowly changing our hearts so that we see those things and can turn to him and do this faithfully where we go to present the gospel to people as we walk. So it's not hopeless if you catch yourself in sin because we have a very, very good redeemer. Thank you, Reverend. That was good. <laughs> Amen. So, uh, so Lori, if we didn't answer your question, yeah, you sorry for on. rambling for 45 <laughs> minutes, but that was a great couple of questions. Hopefully that's, um, helpful and interesting. And, uh, as always, uh, you can like, and subscribe in the podcast world, whatever that looks like. Oh, that was smooth. Yeah. Just press <laughs> the button. Um, and then if you have other questions, you can always email or message or whatever. And we'd love to answer them and just try and help you as you follow Jesus. So this has been episode 84 Woo-woo. and we'll talk to you next week.